0: Join us and unwind with a good book. Welcome to Relaxing Reads. I'm Anne from the Morning Breeze in New Glasgow. I'm Deb from the Morning Breeze in Halifax. And I'm Simone from Breeze Afternoons in Vancouver and Edmonton. Well,
1: Toronto author Ashley Audrain has been having a pretty amazing year. She's been getting worldwide recognition for her debut novel, which was released back in January. It quickly topped bestseller lists around the world. And that bestseller is this month's book, The Push a tense page-turning psychological drama about the making and breaking of a family, told through the eyes of a woman whose experience of motherhood is nothing at all what she hoped for and everything she feared. Now, we'll catch up with Ashley, the author, in just a bit. And I think we should add a disclaimer. We may have a few spoilers along the way. So let's dive in, ladies. What did you think about this book? Simone, start with you.
0: Oh, my gosh. So good. I remember you read it before me, Anne, and you had said, oh I couldn't put it down so I was so excited but in the beginning it took me a little bit like I was enjoying it as I was going but definitely when I got to kind of the middle of the book oh it picked up speed for me and then I could not put it down right till the end
2: and Deb I'm the same way. I I took a little slow lead into it. But wow, as soon as I started getting through it, it was like I I couldn't I couldn't turn the pages quick enough. And my gosh, there were just so many emotions um, with all the characters. And I, I, yeah, I, I was feeling a bit overwhelmed when I finished that very last page when I closed the book.
1: And I felt the same way too. I was I wanted to reach out to you both and go, Oh my gosh, you'll never believe the ending of this book. But I knew that you were still going through and I didn't wanna have any spoilers out there. So I'm glad we're all um ready to go with this and we've read it from start to finish. So let's get started with some topics for discussion. In the book, life struggles with feelings of inadequacy as she fails to live up to the perfect ideal of motherhood. So a bit of a layered question here. How do you think societal pressures contribute to those feelings? And what kind of burden does that place on women? Deb, I'll start with you on this one.
2: Well, I am, am not a mother, but I certainly felt... Um, I think a lot of from from knowing my own mother, uh, my sister, who's a mother, my my friends, my cousins um, and colleagues, um, I felt like. I might know the emotions or or what could be the emotions of going through motherhood and the pressures because, wow, we have so many expectations of what a mother can do because we recognize the strength in a mother um, and recognize that she can multitask like nobody else. Um, but... With those days where mom can do everything, we also, I think society looks at mom and thinks, well, you can't do any wrong. You've got to keep doing what you've been doing. So it just keeps putting more pressure. And uh, it's, I'd mentioned overwhelming. And just thinking about what mothers go through in reading this book, I felt, oh my gosh, I don't know if I could have been a mother.
0: And Simone, you are a mom, so I'm interested to get your take as well. Yeah, I'm a mom of two boys, and I remember like just a lot of things just really stuck out with me. And it's you know it's sometimes the judgment and just yourself feeling so inadequate. I remember with me when when I had my first, just not knowing what to do, and when your child acts a certain way, and then you try to deal with it, and then people come at you and say you're not you know raising them right, or you should do this. There's always people with so many suggestions, and I remember just one day feeling defeated because obviously you want to be the best mom you can be and that's what I think Blythe felt like in this book but then you're faced with challenges and I remember one day just coming home because I would get advice from this person and that person and my husband just looked at me and said listen this is our child obviously we are going to do everything that is the best for this child so forget what people say And let's raise this kid the way we want to raise them. And I think by the second kid, I was just so over it. And it's like, you know what, this is how I'm doing it. Because as a mom, you're going to just do the best you can. And sometimes it's not like the other moms. Like I'm not the mom who constantly is baking and, you know, doing all these crazy things and crazy adventures with my kids. But I'm there for them, you know, going to the sports games and doing other things. So I think you can't compare yourself To other moms, you just got to do you and your kids, as long as they know they're loved, you're doing a great job.
1: It's interesting that you mentioned uh, feeling judged because I felt like that in my 20s. I thought, well, when I get to my 30s, I'll feel like having kids. And it never kicked in for me. I made the decision in my early 30s that I was not going to have children. Now, I've been blessed to have two amazing stepdaughters come into my life, and they've got a fantastic mom, and I'm, I'm so thankful to be a part of their lives in the way that I am. But I, I can relate to it in a way with the pressure to have kids, Blythe feeling that pressure, like it's the inevitable next step and something that – should want and uh having been there in that position not having that feeling like i wanted to take that step in my life um it wasn't so much i guess society putting the pressure on because people would ask from time to time but i didn't feel much pressure other than what i would put on myself i felt like what's wrong with me (laughs) why why don't i want to have children why why am i not feeling that way But I guess, uh, you know, everybody goes down their own path. And um, it was just interesting to read through Blythe's journey and what she went through and really honest and raw about what it was like to be a mom. And uh, it was just interesting to uh, see it. it. in the in this way because typically you just see the warm and fuzzies <laughs> this yeah. was mm-hmm. really really raw all out there so the theory of inherited trauma that we carry the scars of past generations is explored through Blythe's mother and grandmother who struggled in similar ways to her how much do you think we carry forward from the experiences of the generation before us and is it possible to break the cycle completely so simone start with you
0: You know what? I think we do carry a lot when we're growing up and we're in in this world and we start to pick up those young memories. I think when you're four or five and the people around you, you're definitely affected by things. And whether that's your mother and your grandmother and the relationships they have with the other people around them. And that's kind of, I think, how you learn because you're kind of mimicking what you see your mom doing. And, you know, again, like I said, what her relationship is like with her mom and stuff like that. So I think it does get ingrained in you, but it's also a chance for you to say, okay, this is what I liked, something that my mother did with me, and this is what I want to carry forward. These are the things I want to change and work to be better at. And when it comes to kind of that cycle, like sometimes I think if you've gone through a lot of heavy stuff and have a lot of scars, it can take time to break that cycle. And you probably need to work on yourself quite a bit to get there. And what about you, Deb?
2: Yeah, I have to agree with you, Simone. Um, I think about my grandmother's one had 14 kids, the other 16 or 12 and 14. Oh my goodness. Um, but they, yeah, incredible. So I look at what they went through and some of the I mean, great hardships. Um, and, and losing children as well. Um, but because they had such big families that they had to keep moving forward and just keep on for the children who've been left behind, even though they, they went through some, you know, t- tough times. But I think, wow, they just, they just kept mothering. They just kept moving, but there was never time for mom or how are you doing? Are, are you going to be okay? There was community support and, you know, extended family support. But I think the mothers who came out of, those grandmothers, the daughters, um the granddaughters, they've done very well, but I think they've also recognized that, you know, we had strong women in our lives who did really well with their children, their families, but they never never gave themselves that time, and I think that's where some of the women in my family have recognized, wow, it took some time to recognize that it's OK to not be that storybook mother or have that perfect setting and make it look like, no, we're OK. We can do this on our own. Um, so, yeah, I think that you do carry that along. And it definitely is you know, possible to break the cycle, but it might be a little difficult for some and it might take a lot more time.
1: I think mentors as well. Uh, are so important. I really liked the character of Mrs. Ellington, the neighbor. She was such uh, a a formative... Force for Blythe, like uh, with everything going on at home and having her there, and just sh- showing her what what it could be like. And uh, so I I think that even though Blythe did have so much trauma in her life, she often thought about those moments with Mrs. Ellington and what it meant to her. So I'm I'm a big proponent of mentors, and I'm involved heavily in the Big Brothers Big Sisters program. So I love that character in the book. I thought she was she was really awesome and uh, showed showed Blythe what a world could look like with a caring mother type in it. So it was nice to see. Definitely.
0: And now is probably a good time for us to bring in the author of The Push. Let's welcome Ashley Audrain. We're so excited to be chatting with you and we've got a few questions here. That's great. Thank you. And thank you for choosing the book for your May Book Club. It's so nice to hear.
2: So thank you. Oh my gosh, we loved it. (laughs) We are all fans, big fans.
0: That's so nice. Thank you so much. So, Anne, did you want to start with yours? Sure. Hi, Ashley. Loved the book.
1: Loved it. Could not put it down. Oh, thank you so much. You started writing this book when your son was six months old. How did your own experience of motherhood inform this story?
3: Yeah, so you're right. I did start writing when he was six months old, which now in hindsight seems a bit crazy to me, <laughs> I have to admit. But at the time, you know, I think I really, I guess I guess, my own experience of motherhood, you know, was really that there was this big difference between how I think society teaches women they should feel about motherhood, how we should act as mothers, even what we're supposed to say about motherhood. All of that expectation felt so different than what the experience was really like. Um, and And I could see that, you know, in my own experience and in the experience of, you know, friends and women around me. And I just, I really, that really struck me as, you know, so interesting that, you know, we have come so far as women in society in so many ways, and yet this, you know, deep expectation about motherhood hasn't really changed much, you know, over the decades, interestingly. And I wanted to explore that through fiction. I really wanted to write through those expectations and what would happen in one woman's journey if motherhood turned out to be, you know, nothing like what she hoped and and everything, that really, everything she always feared. I mean, Blythe's experience as a mother in this book is sort of a culmination of, you know, many of the greatest fears that I think we all have as mothers. Um, So I I think that that's sort of how my own experience sort of informed um, the characters and the plot of this book.
1: Well, it's interesting, Ashley, because every time I get into a book, as I did with yours, and, like, cannot put it down and absolutely love it, I always think, oh, my goodness, I hope this is made into, like, a Netflix movie or something. (laughs) And UK producer David Heyman won the bid to produce the novel for Screen Your Novel. So any updates you can share with us? When can we see this?
3: Oh my gosh! Yes, I, I also do the same. I totally relate <laughs> when when I read a book too. I always think, oh, I'd love to watch this, you know, on the screen somehow. And so the fact that this, you know, that th- is being adapted for screen is just, you know, blows my mind every day. It's incredible. I feel so grateful for that. And yes, it will be adapted by David Heyman's team, the wonderful producer. Um, and I think this will just be. It, I'm really excited to see this in their hands. It's going to be a limited television series. Um, as opposed to a movie. So, you know, hopefully, you know, six or eight or so episodes um, to tell the story of The Push, uh, which I, yeah, which I'm really looking forward to. And I think it'll be quite fun to see it all come alive. I don't really have any updates to share right now, except that it does seem to be moving along, which is great. So yeah. I'll keep my fingers crossed on that.
1: Me too. I need a new series to binge watch. So I'll keep an eye out for it. Thanks. Thanks so much, Ashley. Really appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Thank you. That's actually one of the things um, my husband said. He's like, oh, wow, you can't put that book down. Cause I was reading it in the living room and he said, and I, I was kind of giving him the Coles notes on it. And he's like, that should turn into a movie. <laughs> I was like, it's funny oh, that he had that thought too. Cause yeah, yeah. it was good. Um, oh, it's good. Looking back at one of your past interviews, um, you said you didn't think anyone would read your book Why did you kind of have that thought? Is that just kind of from being an author or was there something else about the way the story was going to be put on paper that you thought that way?
3: Yeah, you know, I I think while I was writing the book, you know, like I worked on it for, you know, three years or so, like three or four years, like including all the edits and everything. And, you know, I think there's, I think that I always, you know, there's something about being, you know, wanting to be a novelist and sort of giving a go of your first book and, I mean, it really doesn't feel like anyone will ever read it. (laughs) You know, you really feel like like you are just writing for yourself in a way. And that's, I think, probably what I meant by that is just really, I mean, for all of those years, you don't have any readers, and you're you're really just writing the book that you really want to write, and you're telling the story that you really want to tell. And it's very easy, you know, to let go of those expectations of readers and, you know, what you think people want to, you know, pick up and what's selling in the marketplace. Um, And I think because this book is so... You know, this is a book about motherhood it's a book about motherhood and marriage and but you know the taboos with those and and I just I think I always just felt like it was just my own story it was like my own little not not my true story but you know the story that was inside of me to tell and so it just it really does feel remarkable to me now that the book is out there and so many people have read it um it feels quite surreal yeah
0: Now, with the book, you know, obviously being about motherhood and marriage, like you said, I'm a mother of two boys. So the relationship between Blythe and Sam was just so beautiful to me and also so heartbreaking because as a mother, it takes you to the place of What if something ever happened to my child? And I couldn't relate as much to, you know, the relationship with the daughter. Now, many times us moms look to other moms or our moms to help give us advice. With your journey and motherhood, what's the best advice you've received?
3: Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) You know, to be honest with you, I think the best advice I ever got was, like, don't listen to (laughs) advice. I think that that is good advice you know because everyone's experience is so different and I mean I certainly could experience that in my own version of motherhood and you know I'm lucky that I have a very close relationship with my mom she's wonderful and she's been so involved um, in like raising my kids and especially helping them with them when they were little so I was lucky that way but you know I really think that a motherhood is one of those spaces where we always want to give advice. Like it, all, I think as a mother, it almost makes you feel better to give other mothers advice or to give soon-to-be mothers advice. It's just kind of part of that motherhood culture. And in a way, sometimes I think if your experience, you know, falls outside of the norm, you know, if you have an experience of motherhood that does not fit that very typical, common narrative, you know, that we talk about, it can feel quite isolating and quite lonely. I think. And so I think part, you know, some of some of my best advice about motherhood is also just, you know, don't don't worry so much about you know what everyone says it should be like. Everyone's journey is going to be different.
0: Yeah. And obviously, as a mom, you're always trying to just do the best you can and love your child. So at the end of the day, that's kind of the only thing that matters outside of some of the other things you're judged on.
2: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You're right. So, Ashley, I don't know if you set out to do this, but I think that your book could be somewhat of a self-help book. Um, I I think it's a a great chance for a lot of people to come together, not just moms and and their, you know, their girlfriends, the women in their lives. But, you know, the guys as well, the men in their lives, Um, a great discussion about women have to do so many things. They, they go through so many changes in their lives, whether it's, you know, with their own body or, you know, with their children, with themselves. The expectations are so high, so there's not really a lot of room for failure. But I think it's, um, I think it just opens up the discussion to be more open and honest about what's going on.
3: Mm, thank you for saying that. Thank you. Yes. You know, one of the, I think the most surprising part about publishing this book and Something I just didn't see coming or expect as part of the experience is is really hearing from readers, you know, of all kinds and all different circumstances, you know, reaching out to, to, to say, you know, some, something along those lines, like how the book has helped them in their own experience of motherhood or in their relationship or also in their own relationship with their mothers. You know, this is very much a also a book about sort of the mothers we come from you know and the history sort of the maternal history that we carry whether we want to or not you know and how and how that can give us anxiety or feel like something that we want to change but we don't know how and so yeah i you know since the luck i've i've heard actually also from expectant fathers or new fathers you know who have me or messaged me to say you know i i hadn't I'm not in this world this world is so unfamiliar to me but i but they will now have different conversations with their partners than they would have before reading the book about, you know, the honest parts of motherhood and how, how it can really feel and what it can really be like. And that is so meaningful to hear as a writer, for sure.
2: And can we expect a follow up? I mean, we, we're, we're looking forward to to it hitting the screen, but how about a follow up book?
3: Yeah, well, I'm working on a second novel now, but it's not a sequel to The Push. So I know I do, without giving any spoilers, I do leave a bit of a cliffhanger at the end of this. (laughs) Um, You know, I've heard a lot about from readers about, you know, what happens next and, um, you know, people wanting to know. And I don't know if I have all those answers. But uh, yeah, so I, I, there's no sequel coming. I'm working on a second book that's, you know, a different plot and different characters, although it does touch on a lot of the same themes.
2: Okay. Uh, But I guess, you know what, it's maybe it's best that way, because you you gave a lot to each of the characters. And, and um, no matter where they stood with, with your readers, I think there was a lot going on with each one of that them. So you could, you could empathize with them on some level.
3: Thank you. Thank you. That's nice to hear. Yeah, I think there's, you know, you're absolutely right. There are a lot of opinions about, you know, the main characters in this book, and people loving them or hating them, or, you know, feeling somewhere in between. And, yeah, it was important to me that, you know, no matter how you feel or what side of the fence you're on in this story, um, that you have empathy, for sure. So so that that's nice to hear. Thank you.
2: You're very welcome.
3: How I no, sounded no. in the last
1: page, Ashley. I was like,
0: <gasps> oh. and that's how I ended
3: with the book.
1: Yes. <laughs> 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 I, was, I was
0: like, I've had what? I
3: know. I've had so many people message me on Instagram or send me like an email or something and just having just finished the book thing, how could you? I-, <laughs>
1: I thought about it for days after I was like, oh, my gosh. Anyway, thank you for a wonderful book. Thank you.
0: It was lovely chatting with you, Ashley. Thanks so much. Oh, that's wonderful. This is so great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate
2: it. Oh, you're so welcome. If we could do a virtual hug, that's what I kind of felt like somebody needed after I finished reading. <laughs> it's like, I don't know who needs a hug, but somebody does. So I hugged myself. <laughs>
3: Good. And a glass good. of wine. And
1: a and glass, glass
2: wine. of wine. Warm- <laughs> 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 so true.
3: I know. It makes for a
2: good
3: book club discussion for that reason alone. The wine. That's, That's for, for
2: sure. Definitely. <laughs>
3: Definitely. Bye. Bye. Well, that was
1: a wonderful discussion with Ashley. Oh, my goodness. What a... Just a, so much to unpack with this book. And going back to the main character of Blythe, who says of her early relationship with Fox, I had nothing when I met you and you effortlessly became my everything. What did you think about the quality of their relationship from the outset? Is there something dangerous as well about
0: a love so all-consuming and addictive? So, Simone, we'll start with you. I think there is something dangerous about that because, you know, it's, I think it's nice to be lovey-dovey. It's nice to want to do everything for your partner. But a lot of the times, like even you see, you know, you, you read this in the book where she's like, you wanted this, you wanted me to be this way. And I think it's surrendering yourself to, you know, be the kind of person your partner wants you to be, where it can get. A little bit dangerous because it seemed like a lot of things she was doing because he wanted. And I think in a partnership, you kind of have to come at it together. And as you grow together, like we saw in this book, you do grow apart, things change. And especially when you throw kids into the mix, you know, I tell people this about my own relationship. We were never the kind of couple that was always all consuming. But as soon as you have kids, then you play into, again, like how you parent each child because you were parented differently. And there is room for those challenges to come. Up, So I think if you give yourself too much to someone and you don't kind of stand your ground on a lot of things, then it becomes a challenge. And even with Blythe, he was great at comforting her. But when she was going to him with concerns and stuff, he just brushed them off. And I think when you're kind of just in that way, when your partner doesn't kind of see that in you, I think that's definitely a red flag and definitely dangerous.
1: Yeah, for sure. She uh, she certainly um, was looking to him for something, please acknowledge it. And uh, she never did quite get that. And Deb, you're a single lady on the dating scene, I, as far uh-huh. as I know. I think you are. <laughs> and I'd be interested to know what you what you think of this. Is this a all consuming love that you would be interested in, in having?
2: Well, you know, it's funny because there have been a couple of relationships where they were more into it than I think I was. Not that I didn't appreciate what was going on at the time, but there were times where it felt uncomfortable. And okay, there's not much breathing room. Okay, I get it. You admire me. I admire you. This is, you know, this is wonderful. But you get to a certain point. I I didn't not like that. Um, but I think that there could be a little bit of um, a, a danger zone where, oh, my gosh, who am I now? Where, where is my identity? Whatever happened to that? Who have I become? But when you see that type of a romance on the screen, like in a, um, you know, some wonderful movie, And it's it seems quite beautiful. But when you dissect the relationship, I don't know how how great it actually is. If you don't, you know, if you're not equal on that.
1: Yeah, it puts a lot of pressure on.
2: (laughs) I think it does.
1: Yeah. And it seems almost doomed to fail, like as she could never really live up to the unrealistic relationship expectations that she's even built up in her head. And what Fox really, I guess, expects of her to be without really having that back and forth conversation to sort things out. So it was interesting to see how it played out. And uh, I, I guess I don't want to, I feel like I'm, I'm worried people haven't finished the book, but Anyway, they break up. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, were you surprised by the nature of Blythe and Gemma's relationship? Even though it was based on a lie, do you think there was real friendship and understanding there? Deb, start with you.
2: Yeah, sadly. I think, yeah, it was a real friendship and initially I was I was a little concerned like how is this going to unfold oh no and then the more you learned about their relationship I thought oh gosh this is like I felt for both of them because I I, I truly did believe that they needed each other and that they created this great friendship um, despite it being based on a lie
0: and Simone what do you think you know what? I really enjoyed their relationship and I I felt like if this was me, I would do something similar. Like when your partner, if your partner is is cheating on you or has moved on, you're so curious when there isn't really a valid reason as to why they strayed and why like who is the new person they cho- chose? How do they, you know, equate to what you're like? So with her just from anything from her being a mom and in her 40s and feeling a certain way about her body and everything she's been through to seeing this new woman your partner is with who's young and she's blonde and she seems to have everything going on for her, that curiosity definitely spikes. And it was her also her way of getting answers because she wasn't getting it from Fox and she needed to know because she said every time I asked him about it, he didn't say a thing. So... As a woman, you need closure. And I think Gemma was giving her the closure she needed. And then when the friendship was there, she, in fact, I think, really started to care for her more than just like a mistress. It was like, I need to tell you about things that may happen. She really wanted to be there for her. So in that way, like, I see Blythe was was a good person and she was trying to help. And so I think, you know, in the end, she did care, obviously, a lot more for her then Gemma cared back.
1: Well, I agree and it felt very real although Blythe was hiding her identity like literally wearing a wig and hiding but I don't think she was hiding who she was if that makes any sense. Like she was she was still who, everything well I guess who she wanted to be mm-hmm. and uh, as you say was able to get some information that she needed to find out and also send along a few warnings which uh yeah which is why the book ended like <gasps> <laughs> how it did yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i guess on that note honestly i can say this book club so far every book that we've read has been awesome and different and just gone through a lot of emotions and I don't know. Like I, I, I feel very lucky to be a part of it. Thanks, ladies.
2: Yeah. Hey, thank you. I yeah, I feel the same way. Feeling out all the emotions right now. Oh, we definitely are. And again, thank you for listening to our discussion today. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for kicking back and relaxing with us. We hope you'll join us again on relaxing reads.